Hello and welcome to urbanism.live, the podcast exploring the edges of digital, data and urbanism. I'm Adam Beck, your host, and each week I will share news and views from all edges of the digital urbanism world. You can find out more by heading to the website www.urbanism.live. But for now, let's discuss. Well, friends, welcome back to the urbanism.live podcast. And in this episode, we're going to talk about park futures. Let me give you some context. I think that in our pursuit for shaping the best open spaces and places and parks, I think the usual design elements are front of mind. Things like comfort and safety, diversity, experiences, level of activity and the engagement and many more things. They're all very much front of mind. And as I continue to interrogate the role and opportunity of digital and data to support best practice urbanism, what I'm calling digital urbanism, I recently encountered two major open space and parkland master plans that were quite intriguing. And it led me to ask the question, if I was the project team's digital urbanist, what design criteria would I have brought to the table? Now, I'm not going to go through here and look to reinvent best practice open space or playground design, except to add some design criteria that I think are worthy of strong consideration. Now, I have done some very light scanning of the stock of design guidelines on the web. Really, what that means is I sort of went through all of the downloads that are on the first two pages of a Google search, but... I was curious in that I noted there was not much on offer when it came to digital and data potentially supporting our open space and parkland experiences and how digital and data helps manage and maintain these great places. So my thoughts here are not necessarily based on extensive research, but rather a swift review, plenty of observation, and indeed for the last six years or more, engagement with industry practitioners and vendors. And just another footnote, I am a father of two, and I've certainly had my fair share of 6am Sunday morning playground sessions to keep the kids occupied and to stop mum and dad going mad. So on a more serious front, let's be clear, there's a lot on offer when it comes to design standards for parks and open spaces and playgrounds. We have playground safety standards, local government-based park design guidelines. We also have state-based urban design and public space principles. And in the field notes on our website, we've got some links to those that we've collated. So it's well documented how we should plan, design, and maintain open space and parkland areas to best practice standards. But for me, these are the minimum. We need to comply with the appropriate national and international standards. We need to comply with relevant guidelines that are coming from our authorities. But I think there's some pretty interesting, more modern parks and playgrounds that I've seen over the last few years that I think are the exception and not the norm and are actually quite exceptional. And maybe, just maybe, digital urbanism features 
could start becoming more of the norm, just like safety and comfort and other by design elements are. And just before I share my thoughts on what those digital urbanism design criteria might be, I want to draw your attention to a great resource that I stumbled upon while I was doing a little bit of research. It comes from the University of California, Los Angeles, UCLA, and the document is called the Smart Parks Toolkit, published in 2018. And let me tell you, it's a, uh, it's a great resource, all 274 pages of it. It contains a great catalogue of a whole range of solutions, and it evaluates them for their effectiveness in promoting things like health and well-being and resilience and more. And it also identifies those particular solutions that are not promoting good outcomes. So it's a pretty comprehensive uh, resource. And I think one worthy to have in your catalog, if you're in the business of planning, designing, maintaining open spaces, places and parklands. But for me, there are six open space park and playground design criteria that I would now consider mandatory. And here goes. First of all, laying down digital connectivity options, just like core utilities are put down to a place, you know, think power and water, digital connectivity must now be included. Offering place managers and users alike the choice and opportunities for connecting things to each other, whether that be people to people, people to things or things to things. So that's the first criteria for me, laying down digital connectivity options. The second one is equipping our parks and spaces and places for use analytics, space use analytics. This is an emerging and powerful place management and design tool that I'm starting to see. It helps us understand how our places are being used by measuring and sensing things such as for example, movement and dwell times of occupants, which gates are open or not closed, which equipment is most popular, which markets at the fair are the most popular based on their positioning, along with many other use space analytics. So that's my second mandatory digital urbanism criteria. The third is plumbing the space with connected intelligent lighting and smart lighting is not new but it's not ubiquitously used either and i believe we need to allow public space illumination to be dynamic so that it can adjust to the various uses of that space to get more from those spaces enhancing both the experience whether that be sort of for nighttime sport activities, as well as daytime use, but also safety. We see this up in Moreton Bay Regional Council really well, where the, the public space lighting automatically illuminates in dark areas as pedestrians walk through it. So I think that's an essential part of shaping multi-use public places, this connected, intelligent lighting. So that's the third let me move to the fourth, which is ensuring that living infrastructure and physical assets are monitored. By providing insights about the health of an ecosystem and ecosystem services that it provides, along with the condition and use of physical assets like park furniture 
and other amenities, whether that be play equipment, barbecues or bins. This is now considered essential, I believe. These insights allow our green and blue and gray assets to be maintained to their highest level of performance. And the innovation that's occurred in recent years around connected sensors, the size of them, which is shrinking, the ability of these sensors to sense multiple conditions. So for example, one sensor can give you multiple insights. The battery life of these sensors, which is going up. And of course, their cost, which is coming down, all of these elements are making these solutions more commonplace. And as I said, there's a multiple of conditions that we can now sense in both physical gray assets and also, I think, our living infrastructure assets, whether it be automated real-time water quality monitoring, soil moisture sensing, urban heat island calculation, rubbish bin lift, barbecue use. So many other asset characteristics can now be sensed. And number five, provide interactive visitor information. Cities are now offering on-demand and real-time information to their citizens about the place and its surroundings, the retail offerings, the tourism opportunities, and other important information like public transit timetabling. These are data-driven pieces of infrastructure in the form of things like digital kiosks and wayfinding kiosks. The possibilities of the information that we can share in a real-time sense, in an interactive sense, is almost endless. And of course, they become data gathering opportunities for the city or the place owner and manager to understand its users, what they want, and ultimately, hopefully, result in the delivery of better services and better infrastructure. And finally, number six, provide a virtual representation and or connection to and or within the place. Let me sort of unpack that a little bit. Whether it be a digital model representation of a place for virtual visitors or an augmented experience while being in the space or place, having that option to connect to and with a place is emerging, I believe, as an important offering. Now, this seems like one of those things that could certainly quickly become a money pit for public funds or a digital project that sits in cyberspace to die somewhere not being used. So I do preface the fact that this one in particular needs good planning and alignment with clear purpose and outcomes. That's going to be essential. And I'll also preface this design criteria with the fact that I'm not yet convinced about the metaverse as a mainstream tool to enhance prosperity and planetary health and social advancement. But there are certainly augmented realities that are being created about places. And in the podcast notes on the website, we've got some links there. For example, the Wharf Street Basin Project in the city of Canning in Western Australia. It clearly has an educational purpose. And it's certainly something worthy of replicating and scaling. So number six, providing a virtual representation on connection to and or within the space or place, I think is a real worthy one, but there's some caveats around it. 
in the same vein of caveats, I also put a highlight to this point, which is that any use of digital and data innovations in our public realm, like those that I've discussed, it is essential that good governance and leadership is in place. This includes taking action around critical issues like privacy and ethics. And on that front, I think some of the best work that I've seen recently by the city of Darwin and their switching on Darwin privacy framework really gives us a sense now into what best practice looks like in deploying these kind of innovations in the public realm. And we've got a link again, as I mentioned in the field notes on the podcast website. So where does this go? What do I summarize here? Well, the question I think for my fellow urbanists, those that are planning and designing open spaces and playgrounds for our communities is, why wouldn't you be embedding these six design criteria in your next project? Question mark. So I'll leave it there with that question, my fellow urbanists. Please take a look at the field notes and the links that are within it. You can head to the website www.urbanism.live and of course if you're not subscribing to the podcast please do so head to your favorite podcast platform and look up urbanism.live you'll find us there but my friends until next time go well